Good chilly morning to you. We're in the Gospel of John. Gospel of John. The Lord truly astounds me with how His Word is for us and to us and, and meets us in our needs and have that this morning. John is a disciple of Jesus. It's nice to know that that tradition carries on. That we are disciples of Jesus. That we study under Him. That we learn from Him. That we have Him be our Master and impact us in our lives. John was a fisherman. That was his trade. And... Uh, I wouldn't ever call myself a fisherman. I've fished plenty of times, but uh, but fishermen, especially I think in his trade, you know, it's a that's a lot of time waiting, a lot of time sitting together with guys. I I have worked like uh, for a long time. I worked on the, my department is on the third floor, and there are just two of us up there. And when there's two of you up there, and we spend ten years together, you learn a lot about each other. And so I imagine you know John sitting on a boat, you know, with all these guys. They talked about a lot. They talked about politics, they talked about religion, they talked about you know, the news events of the day, they talked about family, they talked about history, they, you'd cover everything you know, if you're out there fishing on the water, if it's at night and daytime, whenever. It's been a lot of time, but he was a fisherman, so they, I'm sure they debated and talked about a lot of things. He's the, John's the longest living disciple of all the disciples. He outlived them all. He becomes that kind of a patriarch. You see that in his uh, little letters, you know, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, where he calls us his little children. He's the, the sage one in the faith. We need to remember that he's writing this that we might believe. This is to increase our faith. This is to strengthen us. Or to convert you. If you don't believe, this is here to convert you, to, to get you to believe, you know, to, to introduce you to the Savior and show you that he's not just a man, he's God in the flesh. That's why we have the introduction that we do. So we're in chapter 1. I just want to remind you, as I remind myself, if you look at the last verse of this book, he reminds us that if I wrote down everything that I saw Jesus do, I wouldn't be able to contain it. You know, the world couldn't contain it. Uh, he's already told us so far, before we get to the verse that we're at, that Jesus was God, or Jesus is God, that he became flesh, that he's the true light, that he is preceded by a witness. There was one who went forth and proclaimed him, and his name's John. So we've had an introduction of John, and we'll be getting to John, but, but not this week. And so he'll, he's leading up to the testimony of John. And if you remember at the outset when we were introducing the book, that we told you that there would be seven witnesses that we'll be introduced to who are going to testify that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah. And so John is our first witness that we get to look at, John the Baptist. And so we are ready for verse 14. Verse 14. Like I said, this is, this is John reflecting back. You know, he's writing this in his old age. He's writing back in his life. Uh, the other three Gospels had already been written. And so he is writing this perspective, which is unique from the other. You know, the others, they call the Synoptic Gospels, and his is different. And uh, he has a different goal, a different purpose. And again, like I said, at the end he reminds us, if I had written down everything, if I was to sit down and try to log every wonderful thing that I saw Jesus Christ do, I don't think the world could contain the volume of the books. And that is saying something. It's a big old world. <laughs> I'm reminded of that every time I drive to Florida. That's a big old country. <laughs> Georgia's a big old state. And they say the world's overpopulated, and you've not driven out of a city because there's a lot, a lot of land you know, everywhere that you can see out there. And so this is a big old world. Flown, I've never flown over the ocean other than like uh, we got diverted once going to Florida, went over the Atlantic a little bit, and you're like, look at all that water. And that's just the top of it. You know? And then it's, so it's deep, too. It's, it, it's a big old place. And so he says, boy, we couldn't contain it all. So with that in mind, 
I read verse 14 with astonishment. I think that's what John had. I think John, as he's writing this, he's kind of like, you can tell he is astonished at these events. He's older. He's lived these events. He's not like writing it in the heat of the moment. He's had time to think and to meditate. The Holy Spirit is equipping him and empowering him to, to put these truths down to paper that's going to last till 2021. Weird to be saying that we're in 2021 now. And then so... And that's going to be relevant to us today. That's God's Word speaking to us through the personality of John as he writes these things. And so, picture that astonishment. This was your life, how you'd be writing this. So verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. God was made flesh. That's astonishing. The Word was made flesh. There's a whole thing that I haven't chosen to do, but there's a whole history on what the Lagos was and, and is and what it is in the history and Jewish history and all, and we still might cover that. But to think that God's Word would become flesh is an astonishment to them. And that not only did He become flesh, but then He dwelt among us. Now, I think he means here humanity for sure, because we're reading this in 2021, and it is astonishing to think about. God leaves the throne room of heaven, and he came down and became one of us and lived on this earth. That is astonishing to think about, that God would enter into his creation and live among us. I mean, it's hard to grasp, but he would do that, that he would humble himself to that point, to make himself of no reputation, the Bible tells us, to come down and put on humanity, to, to wrap himself in us. It's astonishing to think that. And I think he means that in this text. But I also think he means something personal. I think he's saying us as in, he came down and he lived with us. Me and my friends. The God of the universe would come down, become a man, and we're his crowd? <laughs> he would pick us? You know that I think he's amazed that he would say, fishermen? Are my friends? You know, I'm gonna, out of all the people in the world, who do you think the Messiah is going to come down and have his, be his disciples? Oh, fishermen? Yeah, no, no, no one would pick that. You know, and John's like amazed at that. Tax collectors? You know, oh yeah, the ones that are hated by every Jew in the town. Oh, they're going to be the ones he hangs out with. Zealots? You know, the ones that are on fire, ready to storm, defeat Rome. You know, to do all that. Those fellow average Joe Jews, just the average guys, no royalty, no no hierarchy, and I know these in the and the royal lines and the all those that are in the upper class and then the one percenters is like, no, Joe average, they'd be with us. That that God would be made flesh, and then He would encircle Himself with us average folk, fishermen, tradesmen, tax collectors, zealots, a ragtag group of men. I think John is truly amazed. Why why us? I think he's humbled. That God would come down and then use us, and now I'm writing as a mouthpiece for the account that I'm going to share about him to, to get people to believe. And then he goes on. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then he puts this in parentheses. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Beheld his glory. And he's he talking about... And we, uh, it says, and we beheld his glory. I think he's talking here about James, his brother, and Peter, his fellow co-fisherman that they sat on the boat with <laughs> for many a night and talked about things. And we know Peter likes to talk, and we know Peter says you know, something before he thinks a lot of time. And, and so he's got a lot of opinion and likes to share them, and he's thinking, us. 
The ones who are out there fishing saying, what's it going to be like when Messiah comes? Do you think these are the signs? Did you hear a few years ago in the temple, the, uh, Zacchaeus, Zachariah, when he was in there, Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man. Uh, but he was in there and, and that uh, he couldn't talk and, and all that and, and going over things that they'd seen and over things that the community was talking about and, and stuff that is happening. Crazy guy in the wilderness, out there preaching on the river, eating locusts, you know, honey. That they were talking about that. And they're like, we're not scholars. We don't know. We understand. We're just average Joes, but this is what we see. Is, is this real? Is it, could it be soon? And he's saying, us, two fishing buddies, a brother and our co-worker here, that he would dwell among us and that we would get to behold his glory. They saw, that group, those three, saw what we call the transfiguration of Jesus Christ, where for a brief moment, the veil of his divinity was pulled back and he'd shown forth like lightning. Can you imagine that? Every time I go through that passage of Scripture and think about Him being transfigured, I try to imagine, what is it like if it, all of a sudden light comes radiating out? Now, we, we live in the day of special effects, you know, so we can kind of imagine that. Oh, I've seen that happen. I've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and all these things. You know, so, so we can imagine you know, things transforming right in front of our eyes, but back then, and they saw it, and they were able to behold that. And I'm sure their mind goes back to, Moses glowing and all this stuff. and then, you know, They get overwhelmed with watching this happen. Where it all happened is important as well. But, and then they heard the Father's voice. The voice of God audibly spoke out and said, This is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. Listen to Him. Believe Him. Trust in Him. He says, we beheld that. Saw it with my own eyes. Now, could you imagine having that encounter? I've had some strange encounters. I remember them. You know, events that have happened, you know, things that are there, and you're kind of like, I don't know, and we scratch our head about and don't know what this was or what we saw or what was happening in that way. That's something that sticks with you and stays with you. I can't imagine having this encounter, you know, that, that it would be that way. My username online has made contact because it's like, the God of the universe made contact with me. If I'd be excited about seeing an alien land, you know, what about the God of the universe who made contact with me? Yeah, he made contact. It changed my life. This is that kind of a testimony. It changed my life. I've seen him. He was transferred. We beheld his glory. You would never forget it. You would talk about it till your dying day, and he is. We don't have an account from James, but we have an account from Peter. Look at Second Peter. And I think these two fishermen... We'd spend a lot of time in a boat together. We're impacted in the same way. So 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. One of my favorite passages. For this very reason and more. But I like Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 16. He says, now think about what we were just reading to John and see if you don't see the comparisons. He says, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We may have known unto you the power of and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Here we have an eyewitness account. This isn't a second-hand account. This isn't a telling of a retelling of a retelling. Here's a guy who's saying, I'm going to tell you something I saw with my own eyes. This is an eyewitness affidavit account. He says, I'm going to show you what I've seen. I didn't live back then. 
You didn't live back then, but we now have an eyewitness who's writing these things down. Tell us what they saw. Same thing as John doing. I'm wanting you to believe. I've seen the word made flesh and he dwelt among us. And I'm telling you about who he is. Peter's saying, I have seen him. I'm an eyewitness of who he is. This is not some fable. This isn't some tall tale. This is not John Bun, Paul Bunyan, John Bunyan. Paul Bunyan, the baby blue ox. This is a real account of a real thing. This has not been something that is exaggerated. This is not some cunningly devised fable. Verse 17. For he received from God when the Father honor and glory uh, were then such came a voice uh, from him in this excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's talking about the transfiguration again. I've seen this. I, I witnessed it when Jesus Christ was transformed, transfigured right in front of us. And then we heard the voice of God say this. Same thing as John. Same thing he's talking about. And the voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him on the mount. And we have also the more sure word of prophecy. You and I can not only take their eyewitness account, but we also take the sure word of prophecy and test it against the Scriptures and see that Jesus is who He says He is. And so that's why uh, the Holy Spirit has given us these books, and that's why John has written it. But here we see that Peter is the same way. I was an eyewitness to His majesty, he said. John said, I beheld His glory. Uh, but we've seen Him transfigure. We've watched it. We've heard the voice. Sounds a lot like John. That He was, uh, I think it goes on, and verse 19 says, And we are also the sure word of prophecy, wherein to you do well, that you take heed as unto the light that shineth in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. He's comparing dark and the lightness that the light came into the world and the darkness comprehended or not. Sounds a lot like John. You know, that these guys, you could tell they'd spent time together and that they'd encountered the same thing and they'd seen this Jesus Christ shine forth in light and they'd seen the Word made flesh and they'd watched all the miracles and they were saying, this guy is, is, the, is the Messiah. This is him. He is the Christ. And so they were astonished by it. They were shocked by it. They were humbled by it. But they're saying, but he chose us. And so I think Peter adds a little bit of color there for us. If you go back to John, that they had seen this thing. So John 1, verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So some of these last things that John's thinking about. He's going to start telling us about John and his encounter here in a little bit. He says, I want to tell you, I'm telling you who Jesus is. I'm trying to give you an idea of who this character is that I'm portraying to you. Again, this is a, uh, the gospel that we recommend to new believers to show you who your Savior is. This is why like our daily bread makes uh, these little gospels of John's to get out to show you who the Savior is, you know, to be able to uh, encourage you in who he is. And John says, one of the last things I want to tell you about who Jesus is is that he's full of grace. Imagine a man full of grace. Grace. That means he offers joy. I like being around somebody who offers joy. Fun to be around. You, know, you don't want to be around the kill joy. You, know, you don't want to be around with a stick in the mud. You know, it's like I used to call um, my sister-in-law Sim, not Bree, uh, a different sister, <laughs> because uh, uh, we'd always ask her to go do something when Elaine and I were dating, and she'd always have some no, and I'd be like, "Yo, stick in the mud." And so I just called her Sim for short. Uh, I still do sometimes, but <laughs> I'm that brother-in-law. And so, but uh, you know, Jesus offers joy, grace. He, he offers pleasure. He's a pleasure to be around. He's a guy that you're in his presence, you're like, that guy's just fun to be around. The guy's, he just, but he encourages you. It's an encouragement to be in his very presence. This is the personality of Jesus Christ that John is saying. He is full of grace. He is full of joy. He is full of pleasure. He is a delight. 
There's another word of definition for grace here in this context. That he is sweetness. That he's charm. Loving. That wraps him up. It's the ideas that I have, but John is just confirming it in this one word. He's full of grace. That he's full of goodwill. That he's out to encourage others, never looking for the bad. He's a glass half full kind of guy. He's out there trying to encourage people who they are and what they're doing and move them along their way and tell them how good they are and that you can do it. He's full of loving kindness. He's full of favor. He's full of mercy. Merciful kindness, it says. That he's not only kind, but he's merciful about it. There's flaws that he could point out, but he doesn't. He overlooks. I like that too. You can be like, well, my hair's erect today, but he's going to be like, yeah. <laughs> Those guys just kind of help encourage you and give you that little boost. A personality that exerts a holy and right influence on others. Don't you want to be that kind of person too? One that encourages goodness in others. Encourages them to be right and to do right because you're there. Not the bad crowd that would drag you down and get you to do something wrong. but The good crowd that encourages you to do something right and, and it increases your righteousness in that Wow, I never would have done that, but I was with them, and so we went door knocking, and we passed out this track, and, and we did these things, and we witnessed, and we proclaimed, and we preached on the corner, and we did these things to be in that kind of crowd that pushes you out of your comfort zone. That's Jesus. Come on. We can do it. He strengthens your faith and knowledge just by being around him. The kind of person that strengthens your faith, encourages your faith, that has that right little thing to say to you when you need it, that bolsters it, and you're like, yeah, right. Not a discouragement. Not someone that would break you down and pull you down, like, I don't know. But one that's like strengthens your faith, strengthens your knowledge on God by giving you that little thing. That's why I'm kind of captivated to read Jude in the book of James, written by his half-brothers. They have some things in it that's not contained anywhere else in the Scripture. I'm like, what was Jesus telling them as he was trying to strengthen their faith and their encouragement throughout their life? They have those little nuggets in there. I'm like, well, John says, if I wrote them all down, I couldn't, the world couldn't contain it. You know, so I think it kind of goes back to that. Jesus is also full of kindness, Christian virtue. I would think so, right? Because he's Christ. He's virtuous. And he has all the virtues that we think of a Christian that is supposed to have. I can remember one time giving a guy at work a glass of water. We had a water cooler down front. I went and got one. And I was very convicted as I was getting a glass of water because the first one out was colder than the second one. I'm like, I really want that colder one. And I'm like, I'm going to die and humble myself and give, die to myself and, and give that to the coworker. And I gave it to him. You know, I just, he didn't ask for it. I was just went and got water. So I brought one back to him gave it to him. He's like, well, that's mighty Christian of you. I'm like, you have no idea the struggle I had. <laughs> giving you that cold glass of water. I could have had it for me. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, but he meant it as an insult. You know, the virtue of what that is because Christians do that. That's who they are because we, we're emulating his virtue. The people were first called Christians because they were acting like Christ. All that is just the definition of grace in this one Verse. This is, looked up grace in this verse, and this is what it gave us. This is what it meant who he was. And man, that gives me a character study on who Christ is. Right there. He was full of grace. Isn't this literally the definition of grace as Jesus Christ? You know, this, this is this is him. This is the guy that you want to introduce to others, that you want to emulate. This is the person that you want to be around, that you want to say, here's a I got a friend that you gotta meet. Isn't that Christianity? That He's someone who encourages us and strengthens us so much that it moves us off our cowardly shelf to tell others, I know the friend you need to meet. I know someone that will encourage you. I know someone that will strengthen you and help you. I know someone that will pull you along in your darkest days. It's Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. 
He's full of grace. We're to introduce him. That's what John's saying. I want to introduce you to this guy. I want to tell you about this man that has changed my life. That's witnessing. That's a testimony. But he's not done. There's one other word he uses here. It's verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. He doesn't just have grace. He's full of grace and truth. Whoa. The last word he uses is truth. I'll tell you, as I was going through December and we were going through the Advent, I'm like, what do we need, Lord? We're done with Revelation. What book do I go to? Early on when I first came, I thought my habit would be, you know, go New Testament book, Old Testament book, and we'd balance it back and forth. And I'm, Lord, where we are in this world in 2020? Strange year. What's ahead for us for 2021? I don't know. You know. I just kept getting the overwhelming. We need to be reminded of the truth. We need to be reminded of Jesus. We need to be studying the true, the genuine, the right, so we don't fall for the counterfeit, the fake, the lie. If this is a time of deception. What's our world need? What do we need as Christians? Truth. So I picked John. Because as a baby believer, I would say, hey, go read John. And John also says it's not only to help you believe, but to strengthen your faith. And I'm like, Lord, I want to strengthen our faith. And he said, give him John. So this is why I picked it. We need some 100% sure truth in this world, don't we? We need to know what is rock solid. Our world is full of lies, disinformation, fake news. The whole time I've raised my kids, no matter what the show was on. Steve Irwin, you know, the crocodile hunter. This guy's fun. Millions of years old, crocodile. We're yelling at him, liar, liar, liar. It's like we're having to combat everything the whole time. It's not true. We're having to pull out the true information from the disinformation. You know, we're having to separate right from wrong the whole time trying to discern. Like, give me some 100% truth. It is a rest to go to the Creation Museum. It is a rest to go to the ark encounter and say, even when they're like, we don't know for sure, but here's some ideas. Oh, I'll take these ideas. <laughs> Let me pass this and be around fellow believers. There's a comfort in that. We're smack dab in the middle of a war right now. An information war. Access is being cut off at a pedal to the metal rate. Access to one another is trying to be denied. So for a bearing, for a reset, we need to reestablish our north. That's something Dad instilled in, in, in me. I can remember you always asking us if we were traveling. Where's north? You know, we have my brother. We'd always have to try to keep a thing. That's something I try to steal in my kids. Where's your, where's your north? Where do you know where you are? Is that way you know east and west? You know where you're going. You have your direction. If you have one bearing, you know, then you shouldn't get lost. And there's, I remember one time I was making a delivery and went down some angle road and come back to another angle road. And then I was on something that said I was heading south and that felt north to me. And I about threw up in the, in the delivery car. I don't know. This was south. And I had to stop and really sit and orient myself back with a map because I'm like, Turned me upside down. I lost my compass. You know, so we need a north. We need a fixed point. We need something that we can rely on. We need 100% truth, a stake that we can stand on, right? To, to mark our ground. Jesus is the truth. Anchor to that. There's rumors. There's reports. There's educated guesses of what's happening and what's going to go on. Jesus is the truth. It's a place you can go and rest. 
A place you can say, here's what I know. What are the things I know in a world of uncertainty? Jesus is the truth. John says, let me convey this to you. Let me tell you about who he is, who I'm going to share with you. He's the truth. In a world of lie and deception, here's one thing that you can count on, one thing you can take to the bank, you can build a life upon. Jesus is the truth. The sea of uncertainty is swirling around us. And we can stomp around through that shifting sand. We can run through a weary land and then have no certainty and no stand about to fall. But Jesus is the rock that you can stand upon. Ah, oh, that weary land. And there's something about that. Right now, they've got all the slick, polished floors. Whatever shoes I got on now are like, do not like the slick, polished floors in Walmart. And the only thing I'm thankful for in a stupid pandemic is those little stickers on the floor. Because I stick on them, I have good traction. <laughs> all right. And so I'm always walking down the center of the aisle because, hey, I'm not feeling like I'm, it hurts my hips. I don't know, maybe just because I'm old. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to walk on a slick floor. Like I'm falling down, it hurts my back, and the lane gives me a gallon of milk to carry to straighten me out. And I'm a mess. I'm in there and like, I'm not buying all that. I'm just carrying it so I can walk that far. Uh, but, uh, man, it's a weary land. Give me a rock to stand on. I like that. When I was younger, my dress shoes are always cowboy boots. I always liked them. But I also always looked where I was going to stand because, you know what? Cowboy boots aren't the best thing to stand on if it's icy out or snow or anything else. They're like, hey, now I'm putting some slick leather on my bottom of my feet. And so, you know, I'd watch where I'd walk because I wanted firm foundation. I don't want to be falling down. I'm like, well, if that guy starts to fight with me, I'd just be like, whoop, and fall down. It's like, no, I need something firm. I need that firm foundation truth. Here's some truth. Jesus is God made flesh. Man, that's right. It's 100% true. The Word made flesh. Jesus was pre-incarnate. Before anything was, He was. He was there at the beginning. That's how He starts out this book, right? He was made flesh and made alive on this earth. That's truth. That's an anchor. That's rock solid. Put that in your category of truth. Jesus is pre-incarnate. God made flesh. Truth. There's some more. Let's grow this foundation. Let's grow the platform. Let's give us something firm to stand on. A bigger sticker on the Walmart floor. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. That's hard to wrap our mind around. I mean, we've grown up with that truth, but, but it's astonishing to think that God would be man. But that's truth. The Word was made flesh. And He dwelt among us. He tabernacled. He lived with us. Uh, even the word tabernacling with us points to pictures of the Old Testament, the type of the shadow. We are to center around Him. We're to be around Him. He's to be the center. When He moves, we move. He's to be our leader, our guide, our direction. He is to be that. He dwelt among us. He would tabernacle with us. He's 100% God, 100% man. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He's the only hope we can have. In a world of darkness, Jesus Christ in the light is the light. Is it hard for the world to understand this? He says, yeah, light came into darkness and darkness comprehended it not. John has already told us this, but what do we know? He is the light. He's the true light. He's not a false light. So we know that if we're going to be going, what's it say about Jesus? Jesus is that light. Jesus is what illuminates and shines light on everything else and reveals whether it's darkness or a truth or a lie. So what are we to filter through? We're filtered through Jesus. We're to filter through His Word. We're to filter through the 100% truth to try to discern truth from a lie. So we have a measuring stick, we have a rod, we have a flashlight to shine and show us to be that lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path as we go along the way. Jesus, John has already told us that He is full of glory. Wonder, splendorous, light, glory. He deserves worship. He deserves praise. Jesus is begotten of the Father. He and the Father are there. And He tells us that He is that same glory. 
He's also told us that Jesus is full of grace. And we listed all those good characteristics of what grace is. He's good. He's encouraging. He's joy. He's happy. He's right. He's not sadness and meanness and destruction and, and despair and anguish. No, He's everything good and, and right and kindness and merciful and encourage you in the good and the kind and the right and gracious things. He is that. Jesus is full of grace. Jesus is truth. We need some truth. We need some Jesus, right? This is what this world needs. We need to rest upon the, this rock in this weary land where it seems like you're seeking in the mire and you have nowhere to turn. We need to stand upon the rock. We need to establish our life upon Him. Not the shifting sand. Not the rumors and, and the things of the world. We need to stand upon Him. He's the only one who can lead us in a time of calamity. He's the only one that can keep us from having our whole foundation come out front of us and fall down. He is a rock to build our house upon. Not the shifting sand. I'm glad we teach these kids to the youth. I'm glad I learned those when I was young. About building a house upon a rock or upon the sand. I don't want to go smack. You know, and so we want to endure, build upon the rock. Jesus is the rock. He's the firm foundation of truth. We need some of that. As a soldier for Christ here today, we need to put on the belt of truth. The belt of truth wraps around you. Holds you together. A good belt can make your day. You know, you know, you don't have to worry about <laughs> pants falling off. You know, but, but it wraps around you. It gives you a firm foundation. It holds everything you need on there. By the time you put your wallet, I got my knife over here. I got my tracks in this pocket. You got all that. You need a good belt. You, know, you put a good belt on, not too tight, not too loose. Wraps you and gives you that firmness and security. It holds you up and it holds you together. Wrap yourself in Jesus Christ. Wrap yourself in Jesus Christ. He'll surround you. He'll hold you up. Hold you together. You need to put on those gospel boots. I always think of those stupid cowboy boots when I think of that. I don't want those slick ones. I want some good tread boots that got good tread no matter what the surface. That'll hold me up, that I can stand. I got some steel toes in case they come stomping on my feet. I'm like, I know the gospel. I know that if I repent of my sins and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, I have salvation. I've been born again. I know that I'm a sinner, that I deserve death. I deserved hell. But I repented of that and I put my faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who was buried and in the grave for three days, who rose again victorious the third day. He is the one that saves me. I don't save me. The finished work of Jesus Christ saves me. I have salvation. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Do your worst. I have the gospel boots on. I'll march with these. And I'll present the truth wherever I go. Security in our salvation, that helmet. We want to have that grip. We don't want to shift. We don't want to backslide. We want to hold our ground with the gospel boots. We will not compromise on it. We will not alter it. We will not change it. It is what it is. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. That is truth. That is the truth that the world needs to hear right now. The world's looking for truth right now, searching for it, grasping about something to stand on, some fixed point to anchor their life upon. It's our job to give them Jesus. It's the hope. It's the only hope. It's the only thing that's sure in a world of chaos. It's Him. What do I mean by that? I mean, one, that He is salvation. Two, that He is King. Three, that He's coming back. He will establish a kingdom. He'll decide truth from error. He'll show who's right and who's wrong. He'll vindicate or strike down. He'll make it all clear. He'll make it all obvious. He'll expose the light to it and expose the darkness and hold them accountable. As so many of those Psalms talk about, Lord, show them when you're going to bring it. How's it going to happen? He will. And I'm to trust Him and trust Him to do it. He is our safety in a time of storm. He is our anchor. 
But we're to put our anchor upon. He is the, the rock that will cleave onto and not shift and not let us slip and not let us slide and end in calamity. No, he'll hold us through the storm. Man, I'm glad I got Jesus. I'm glad John told us about him. I'm glad Peter told us about him. I'm glad Mark and Luke and everybody has told us about him. I'm glad your testimonies show him. Jesus is the one who holds the future. I trust him. I trust him above anything else because he's truth. He's what I need. He's my fixed point, my north star, my direction. He holds our future. Jesus is the one who knows the beginning from the end. He knows where we are on this. He knows what's going to happen. You know, afternoon today, he's going to know what happens tomorrow, the next day, on the 20th, and the summer, and whatever. He knows. He's not shocked by any of it. So where do I go for help? Not a website. I go to him. Right? I read his word. I remind myself what is truth. I live in this world. I'm to be aware of the things around me. I'm to look for the signs of his coming and to see. I'm to be an open voice that is out there. That is, I am to oppose error. I'm to oppose lies. I'm to stand up for truth. I'm to be against theft. I'm to be against anything that is unrighteous. I'm to stand and oppose it and be a change agent in this world. The Holy Spirit is called, dwelling within us, is called the restrainer. We are to be the restraining agent until we are taken out of the way. Then evil is rampant. We are to be opposing these Anything that is a lie, anything that is untrue, anything that is not Christian, and all this, we're to tell them what the truth is. We're to oppose all those things. We know what the law is, right? We have it. We memorize it. We're to put God first. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We're not to have any other gods before Him. We're to honor our father and mother. We're not to covet. We're not to lie. We're not to steal. We're not, not to commit adultery. We're, we're, we know these basic things, and we're to stand for that and expose it when we see it. Like, no, that is not right. We're to say these things. Jesus is the author and the finisher of life. We're just at the interesting plot point. (laughs) That he's chosen us for such a time as this. We should all feel like John right now, right? Why us? Why would he entrust the truth to be carried in a time like this to printers and teachers, welders, retired folk, plumbers? A ragtag group of individuals, right? That's who he likes to circle himself with, isn't it? fishermen and zealots, tax collectors. He would choose us for such a time like this and say, these who are weak, but they know it. They trust that I am strong. He's the wind beneath our wings. He'll give us the voice to speak up when we need to speak up and to say what we need to say in the day we need to say it. To point people to Christ. I'd encourage you to Think about what to say and how to say it. It was about a year ago, probably in February, we were talking about what to do. How do we as a church prepare for those left behind or for the things that are coming? See what God's put on your heart. And don't say, this is some crazy idea. Maybe it is. (laughs) But maybe it's something he's put on your heart to chase down the line and to do. A new way to witness. Or the old way to witness. To stand up and proclaim. (laughs) Old ways are usually best. He's the author and the finish of life. If you're born again, if you've repented of your sins and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, Jesus is your King. I have a King who rules over my heart. I'm not always the best subject. I need to surrender me and bow to Him. I need to serve my King. I need to represent Him in the hard days. It's not fear. 
not faithlessness, but with a firm resolve that I trust Him and what's coming today, tomorrow, or the next day. That my hope doesn't rely on my IRO 401k or, or whatever it's called. I don't know. That's a bunch of letters. Uh, IRA, I combined them all. Some financial word. How's that? I don't trust in that. I don't trust in the job that I've put in so many years for. The house that I'm trying to pay off and all that. Trust in Him. He's my king. He's to be my master. I can't imagine being a soldier and being as belligerent as I am sometime <laughs> to, to my, my captain or general or whoever's over me. I need to surrender me to the one who knows better. To the one who knows what the answer is. And to think of every encounter and every place I am as an opportunity. I need to wake myself out of my stupor and say, here's a time to represent Christ. Here's a time to stand for Him and point people to the truth. This is a time to speak up for Him and give them the hope that I have. The hope that lies within us, which is Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. The light in this world, the only answer. The world doesn't end well in the world system. But praise God, we have a king who comes down and sets everything back to the origin of the beginning and establishes a kingdom that is good and right and decent. We're to tell people to come to that. Jesus is not only my king, he's not only my master, not only your master, he's also our savior. Out of gratitude, we should serve him. Just out of appreciation that he would save us. They drop a bomb on us and kill us all tomorrow. Hallelujah. We go home and be with him, right? To live as Christ, to die as gain, to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. There's not a fear that is upon someone like that. That's why Paul, in each and every place he went, they might stone me to death here. Matter of fact, people tell him, Paul, they're going to stone you. I know it. He's going in there, I'm going to preach the gospel. If they kill me, great. If they don't, I get to preach another day. There's an attitude to have. Do we trust him? God takes care of his own. See, when you surround yourself with Jesus, you're surrounding yourself with that truth. And that'll hold you together. And that'll hold you up. That will see you through. That is a direction to march. It's no longer, where do we go? What do we do? There's a firm foundation to stand upon. We stand here on the main and plain things. If God shows you more, you move in that direction. We have a firm foundation. So firm a foundation that it cannot be moved. With that, your mind can rest. Before you go to bed at night, just remind yourself, who's the truth? What are the really good things? In a world of uncertainty, what is certain? I know Jesus loves me. I know Jesus died for me. I know when I repented of my sins and trusted Him as my Savior, He saved me. I know that I've gone from death to life, that He's made me a son or a daughter of the kingdom, and that I'm to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Christ. And then lay your head down and sleep. And say, Lord, whatever you have for me tomorrow, give me the courage and the strength to stand up and testify and do it and be there for you. You can cast all your cares upon Him because what? Jesus cares for you, right? Is that true? It is true. So can you cast your care upon Yes. And can you be overwhelmed in all this and all kinds of things? And I know all of us have all kinds of things different in our life, let alone what's going on in the world and in the United States right now. And Jesus says, I can take it. Cast it upon me. I like that. Someone you can take your burdens to. Someone who was tempted and tested and lived in the world like us. He's been betrayed more than anybody, right? He was surrounded by traitors. He knows. He knows where we are. He knows where we've been. 
And he came through. He is our leader. He is our king. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. He is our only hope. He's this world's only hope. He's America's only hope. So we need to give him the gospel. What a comfort that is, though. To have a cleft in the rock that he can hide in, that he can shelter us from, a shelter in the time of storm of this rock in this weary land. What a comfort to have the truth in a world that is seeking for what is truth. We have the truth. What an advantage we have. Christians are always the head of the curve on every topic and every subject and everything because we have the truth. Now's when it shines forth in the time of persecution, in the time of uncertainty, in the time when everything else you put your faith and trust in is gone. You can shut off the internet. You can take off the power. You can take away your jobs. You can take away whatever else. I've got the word. I've got electronic and non-electronic. I've got a book. Take both of those away. I've got it in my mind, right? Things that I've hidden in my heart. It's a condensed version, sadly. <laughs> but, but I need to have more, right? But that's why we gather together. And I've got my section, and you've got your section. And to do that, we encourage one another together. So I'll tell you this. Whatever happens this week, we'll be here on Wednesday. We'll be here on Sunday. The church continues. Until we're all gone. Until we all gather together, right? And so we'll meet you in the clouds, and we'll all make sure we're in the cornerstone section as we get there. So we comfort one another with truth. The one who holds tomorrow holds our hands as well, right? So I'll let him lead me and guide me. Last night, the boys were over, and they were going outside to the dark, and TJ grabs cash and gets his hand, he's going to lead him out. Big brother, i got to make sure I got you out here. you got Jesus. Give me your hand. He'll lead us through. I can rest in that. I can sleep with Jesus in charge. I can be bold with Jesus as my captain. So yeah, let's be soldiers of Christ. We've had plenty of years of luxury, laziness, training and study. Now's the time to be a witness. The lost world, the uncertain world, were to be the fixture, the consistency that we've been, that people will be like, well, they've stayed the same. Give them the gospel. Now's this time to witness. People are drowning. We're to throw them the lifeline as Jesus Christ. We're to pull them to safety. They can have that peace that passes all understanding. So I'm so thankful that salvation is free and available to any who believe. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus Christ will save them no matter what your past, no matter what your history, no matter the things you have. But oh, you don't know. I know my Savior. And he said, whosoever calls upon my name shall be saved. So if you're here today and you don't know I'm a Savior, if you're listening and you don't know I'm a Savior, repent of your sins. Acknowledge you're a sinner, that you've lied, you've stolen, you've lusted, that you've violated God's laws. And then ask Him to save you. That's why He died on the cross. He took your punishment. He took the pain and the suffering. Everything that you should have suffered in hell, He suffered on the cross that Friday. He was buried and in the grave and rose victorious the third day, showing that the dead had been paid and accepted and that he promises to come back and raise us and give us a body like unto his. We'll live forever for all eternity with him. So repent of your sins and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He will be your truth. He'll be your anchor. He'll be your captain. He'll be your leader in this time when we don't know what's going on. We do know what's going on. He's told us in advance. We've studied these things. But the days are coming upon us, but we know the truth. And we're to stand. And we're to know the genuine so real that we can't be deceived by any of the lies. Because we know who He is. Our Savior, our Captain, our King. 
and I can rest upon that. And I hope you do as well.